Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Did you guys enjoy the kids' choir? They were, they were yelling a lot, but it's because they love Jesus, so that's okay. Uh, we love them. And thank you to Laura Franks and her team. They've been leading uh, in kids' ministry for 27 years. So if you can clap your hands for them. Thank you. Uh, it's a big honor to, to share God's word no matter what age group. So I usually share with your kids on Sundays twice a month. Uh, Jacob Lean uh, is on staff, and he shares twice a month as well. Um, but it's a super uh, big honor to share with you, so I'm very excited. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about kids' ministry because some of you may not have kids anymore that are, that are in these age groups, or you may not have ever visited. Um, but we have uh, three age groups that we minister to primarily. We have We Kids. Everybody say We Kids which is zero to two years old. And then we have Grow Kids. Everybody say Grow Kids. What's up, Jerry? And that is kids from uh, two years old to five years old. And then we have Up Kids, and that's kids who are aged five to about 11. Can you guys say Up Kids? Up kids. Cool. And we have ministries in elementary and all those. Um, if you serve on a kids ministry team and you've served this year, can you raise your hand? I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Can you clap your hands for all of our people? who? Thank you, David. Thank you, Debbie. We appreciate you. Kids will first learn to serve the God that we serve, and then they will begin to love the God that we love. Thank you for bringing your kids to church. Thank you for making sure that they stick with the faith. There's a study that shows that only one in three teenagers, once they leave the church, will actually stay in the faith. Only one in three. That means that if you have a family of nine kids, three of your kids will stay following the Lord. That's so sad. And we are here because we want to see healthy families who are equipped. We want to see kids who are lifelong disciples of Christ. And so thank you so much for investing uh, prayer, your time, your passion, your energy, your weekend, your Wednesday nights, your Tuesday nights uh, into our kids. Thank you so much. I have a couple books that I want to give away just real quickly. And this one, uh, uh, we're just, like I said, we're not just saying we want to see healthy families. We want to see them. We want to help you. So we have three books uh, the first one is called Talk Now and Later. It's uh, how to talk to your kids about uh, sex, how to talk to them about death, how to talk to them about divorce, all those kind of things. And it's from a biblical perspective, all of these. Um, does anyone know somebody who has recently went through a divorce and has kids? Can you raise your hand? I'd like to give this book away. Amy, you want it? Okay, here you go. Clap your hands for Amy. Okay, this book talks about the importance of ministering to kids on their level. It talks about if you want your kids to stay in the faith, number one, it has to be deeply embedded in your family. It can't just be a once or twice a week thing. It has to be all, you have to be all about it. The second thing is your kids uh, should have a ministry that is ministering to them at their thinking level and their understanding level. The third thing is they should be serving in a part of the church, not just sitting in a chair by the age of 10. And the last thing is they need to have at least three adult mentors who look like they should look when they grow older. We need those things for them to keep following Jesus. So um, if you have a kid who is um, between five and 10 years old, can you raise your hand? I'll give, I'll give it over here. No, I'm not picking favorites, but here you go, Mike. All right, clap your hands for Mike. And then we have one more book, and this one is probably the most uh, coveted, can I say that in church? Coveted book, Raising Giant Killers by Bill Johnson. Incredible book. Um, this book is talking about how to help your kids become spiritual um, champions, just like crazy, doing praying at night, waking up, telling their friends about Jesus. Uh, Videgla and Katie actually told me about this book. Uh, who has a kid who is just 
his, their potential boy or girl is just crazy out of this world. All right, I want to give it to you. Here you go. Clap your hands for this guy right here. Okay, and last uh, but not least, I have a Bible that I'd like to give out. You'd be surprised how many kids don't have Bibles. If your kids don't have Bibles, please buy them one. There's no way they can become more like Jesus if they don't have a, a Bible. It's just impossible. So uh, if you have a kid who is between 9 and 11 years old, can you raise your hand? All right, we have some back here. Tommy, could you hand this back to that guy back there? Raising hands. All right, clap your hands for that guy back there with the glasses. Okay. So today, we are continuing our series on hope, and we have heard from Pastor Jason and Pastor Raphael on this topic, and hope is something that is uh, hard to put your finger on. You can use the word trust or faith, um, and, and this topic is really hard for some people because to say, I hope, means that you have a better outcome in mind. You know what I'm saying? So... In this season, when you've, we had, you've had someone pass away this year, you've had a job loss, you, you're in debt, you're trying to buy gifts, and your credit card just all racked up, and you're just looking for some hope. This is a huge topic during this Christmas season. Some of us don't realize it because we haven't been through those things, but it's a real thing. So we've talked about how hope is a choice. You have to be uh, making a daily choice to follow God, and then your feelings will then follow that. A choice is first. We've heard a lot of good things, and today uh, we're going to look out of the text from Romans 8, 28, and 29. Would you turn there with me? Let's turn to Romans 8, 28, and 29. All right, and let's stand. I think that's what we do here, right? Adult church, we stand. I'll read. Romans 8, 28, and 29. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. Everybody say good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The title of today's message is, I hope this works out. So let's pray. Lord, we're here for you. I pray, God, that anyone who's walked in these doors, that you begin to speak to them, Lord. Help them to, to look at the words in the Bible and begin to understand what they can do with them. I pray, Lord, that you'd begin to convict us of, of sin, encourage us, God, where we need encouragement. And I pray that families would be stronger today. I pray that kids would follow you stronger today and this week. During this Christmas season, would you bring hope and inspiration and help people through their pain? In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. All right, if you believe God's gonna speak something to you today, can you say amen? amen. Turn to your neighbor and say Amen. Turn them and say, listen up, sister. Listen up, brother. Awesome. So I have some good news. We uh, got to go on a vacation this year. It was our dream trip. We saved up for a few years working another job and, and got enough money, and we got to go to Hawaii. It's our dream trip. So fun. So we bought cruise tickets in February. Three months later, my wife Emily gets pregnant. I don't know how that happened. No one told me. So she gets pregnant. We still plan on going on this trip because uh, she'd be about 26 weeks pregnant when we would go. So she's due in February. So we go, and if you've ever been on a cruise before, what you do when you get there is you bring your bags, and you check them in, put them on a belt, and then you get in another line. They check your passport after that long line. And then you go in, you put a lay on for the Hawaii cruise, and then you take a piece of paper. And you write in the paper, I've been to a third world country or not. 
I have this disease or not. I have uh, firearms in my bag. I have all this stuff. And then it says I am pregnant or not. So you put that on there. So I'm like, this is going to be the best trip ever. This is going to work out so well. So we go to the counter, the last step before you get on that escalator up to that big boat. And these are big boats, like 2,000 or more people. We get to the counter, and this little lady, she looks at her paper. She's like, oh, your wife's pregnant. Okay, I'm going to go ask my supervisor real quick. So she takes this form and brings it to a supervisor. And it was a guy in a, like a sailor's captain uniform. He wasn't a sailor or a captain. He was just behind a little computer putting in information. So he grabs the form and looks up and looks at us. And then he grabs his phone and calls somebody. And so we're like, great, they're going to have somebody to follow us around or help us when, when she's having problems or if there was a problem. That's awesome. This is going to work out great. So he comes over, and he's like, congratulations, guys. I'm so excited for you. That's such a great, uh, such a great thing. Um, how far along is your wife? I said, well, 26 weeks. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not a medical professional, and, but... Uh, we can't have any women who are past 24 weeks pregnant on this cruise. I'm so sorry. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're kidding. <laughs> I was like, I know people, and I, I know how to talk to people. So I was like, okay, cool, okay. He's like, you want to talk to the doctor? I was like, sure, that's fine. So I get on the phone, and he explains all the things, the complications and things. And he's like, do you have any questions? And I was like, no, not really. Cool. And he's like, well, I'll give you a number, and why don't you guys move to the side while we help everybody else. And at this moment, I, I mean, I've read books on negotiating, like, I've talked to people. You go and you don't get the right order, you send it back, and they bring it back, good customer service. So I was figuring it's two weeks past, they're going to let us on the cruise, it's going to work out fine. So we wait for an hour, we're waiting there, and he's busy doing his stuff, and he comes over, and he tells us, here's the number to call for a refund. And I was, think, I, still, I was still thinking, by next step, is asking for your supervisor. So I get that number, and we begin to make that, make that uh, call and send an email. Emily's doing that. And all this time, Emily's crying. Like, I have hope, but Emily's just bawling, crying. And I was just calm as could be, because I had a little bit of hope. Like, this is going to work out fine. So um, he sends us to sit down. And I'm beginning to realize that this is not working out like it's supposed to. Um, I'm not the kind of person that will rush up to the counter and show my cheeseburger and say, there's no cheese. I'm not that guy. But I went up to the counter and was like, hey, uh, hey can I talk to, you, to your supervisor or who can allow us on this cruise that has higher clearance? So he's like, well, the doctor. So he calls the doctor down. And the doctor comes over, and he's very friendly, super friendly guy. And he's like, I've done cruises in South America and Asia. He's like, we have never, ever made an exception to this rule. And my hope just went, did, I, hope it was, I was hoping it would work out, but it didn't work out. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt completely helpless or overwhelmed? Have you ever been in that kind of situation before? I felt completely overwhelmed. I was hoping it would work out, but it didn't really work, was, wasn't really working out. And it was funny because Terry Brown called me the Friday before, and he said, brother, I feel like you're overwhelmed. And I was like, nope, but you can pray for me. And he's like, okay. A week later, I felt completely overwhelmed. And some of you prophetic people, you've probably said a word or something like that, and it hasn't clicked right there. But just wait. Just wait. But I felt completely overwhelmed. And, and you know when you say, I need a vacation. We were on a vacation. I couldn't say that. You say, I need a, oh, I need a counselor. I need a, we need family, count. We need, I need a drink. I need a different church. 
uh, I need a different small group leader. Oh, my goodness. You just feel overwhelmed because you're not prepared for the news that you're hearing, even though you have a little bit of hope. We're talking about hope today. We all go through times like that, and I think it's really cool how the Bible gives us so many stories to produce hope within us. Because hope is not a, something, a feeling that you just follow. It's hard. There's hard situations. And we're going to read from John chapter 11 about a guy named Lazarus who God gave hope to. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 11. I'm going to give you a summary. John 11 um, talks about this guy named Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' best friend. He was in Jesus' small group. Jesus was like the small group leader of their friend group. And what happens is uh, Mary and Martha, uh, his sisters, send somebody to go tell Jesus, hey, Lazarus is, is sick. And Jesus is like, okay, cool. Um, Lazarus is sick. And they're thinking, Jesus is in our small group. Whenever we bring up a prayer request, um, he prays for them, they get healed right away. So they're thinking, Jesus is going to fix this right now. It's going to work out. So Jesus uh, hears this news, and he's like, okay, Lazarus isn't going to die. He brings some hope. And they're thinking, oh, Jesus is going to come get, come get Lazarus real quick. But Jesus doesn't go. He waits two days. Why in the world would Jesus wait two days? He waited two days, didn't go. His disciples were kind of on him about it. And, he, and, they were, and then they were like, whoa, 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 wait. Remember when you traveled through Judea? They were throwing stones at you. Remember that? Uh, you should go a different way. And he's like, guys, it's not my time. The story goes on and on. Martha, when Jesus finally decides a couple days later to go see Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. He is dead. Martha runs up to him, and she's the same Martha who in the story was the one who was getting the food ready and the house ready while Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Do you remember that story? Same Martha. She stomps up to Jesus and says, Jesus, where were you? And Jesus is talking to her, and then Martha has some faith and some hope. And then Mary comes over, real sweet girl, and says, was crying. And then Jesus cried because he felt so much love. And, and Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible in John 11. Jesus wept. And then Jesus went up to the tomb, which stunk because Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. You could smell his body uh, his past four days. And he goes up to the tomb. He looks up to heaven, and he prays, and then he says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes out. It says he's still in his grave clothes. His hands are bound. His feet are bound, and he comes out, and then he, he said, loose that man and let him go. We're going to talk about hope today, and we're going to go through this verse by verse, and I want you to feel encouraged today if you're going through something. I want you to feel encouraged if you're going through pain or struggle, or if maybe you don't know the Lord today, I want you to think about who am I in this story? So let's look at verse number one. Now a certain man was sick. Who is he? Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. They didn't even have to say his name. They said the person that you love. Remember he had a couple friends like that? Remember John? Remember here's Lazarus, his best friend. They didn't have to say it. He's sick. Verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. This is going to work out. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he went immediately. He got an Uber uh, horse and rode over there. And he went over and he helped, he helped him out, right? No. 
Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. Two more days when his friend needed help. Was Jesus lazy? Was he a bad friend? Was he too busy for Lazarus? Why would Jesus not rush to help his friends? Friends, I want to uh, uh, remind you of something that happens. It's called a divine delay. Have you heard of that before? A divine delay. This is when you pray for something, when you hope for something. You hope that something is going to work out, but it hasn't happened yet. Jesus was setting up something that they didn't understand. He waited two days. It was a divine delay. Friends, something, some of us uh, need to know that God's delays are not his denials. God's delays, when you pray for healing, when you pray for hope, when you pray for salvation for your spouse or your family, his delays are not his denials. God's not denying you and saying, I don't love you. He's saying, oh, I have a bigger plan. God's delays are not his denials. It reminds me of uh, uh, Amazon. You guys ever gotten a package from Amazon? Ever gotten a uh, lost package? Anybody ever gotten their package stolen? Yeah? Got that ring app, uh, the ring doorbell, and it got stolen. God's not like a bad Amazon driver who loses your package. God's not like uh, sorting through UPS guys, sorting through, and he's like, oh, package here, package here, package here. Oh, I'll give this guy some packages because his name's cool. God's not like that. He's a good God, and his delays are not his denials. Amen? God has a bigger plan, and it requires a longer delay, church. So we do community events at our apartment complex, and we've been doing it for about a year now. And it's been, it's been really cool. You, you think there'd be tons of people coming and stuff, but um, we had a, a Friendsgiving recently, and we, we got 35 chairs from the church. We got four tables. We had Emily's family get some turkey uh, made for us. We had really cool decorations done. We put out invites on every single door, 150 doors, invites on every single door, posted them on, on the walls, and we had a lot of people telling us they were going to come. So we're hoping this is going to work out. It's going to work out great. This is really cool. We're doing exactly what God wants us to do. And he's going to produce the increase right now. So we get to the party and we're setting up. And two of our friends come, Larry and Bernie. And then the other three neighbors come, John, Liz, and Josh. And I'm waiting, at the, I'm waiting, waiting to greet people and stuff. And no one else shows up. Five people. We were expecting 50 people. And at that moment, I began to think, oh, I thought this was going to work out. God, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be throwing events for my neighbors? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I, and you might be thinking today, oh, man, am I supposed to be leading this small group? My people are so, I won't say it. Am I supposed to be going to this church? Am I supposed to be married to this man or a woman? Or was I supposed to be a parent? This is supposed to work out. Didn't your word say in Romans 8, 20, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose? God, why is this not working out? Why is this not working out? Did I do something wrong? You know what I felt from God is he began to just remind me and give me some more hope as I was hoping this would work out, and it didn't. And he, what he's told me was, this Isaiah is not for you 
to take pictures and say, this is how many people came. This is not for you to, to uh, do a bunch of decorations and say, wow, guys, look at all the stuff we did. This is so fun. People are high-fiving and a lot of energy. That's not why I'm having you do it, Isaiah. And he began to show me that this is not the good that I was intending, but it's the good that he was intending for his glory. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think she's, one of my neighbors came today for service and got saved. There's, there's, people who, there's people who we've been able to share the gospel with. There's people we've been able to love and pray with. And it's got, that's what God is trying to do. It's not about success or money or what good we have in our mind. It's about what good he has in his heart for others. If it's not good yet, it's not done yet. Because God works everything for good. Some of you need to hear that today. If it's not good yet, it's not done yet. Because God works everything for good. His word is true. It might not just be the good that we think about. Let's go to verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, guys. Verse 14. Then Jesus, after arguing with them and, and, and telling them, hey, Lazarus is sleeping, they're like, what? He's sleeping. Just wake him up. Jesus is like, no, he's dead, guys. Jeez, pay attention. Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. I'm glad that Lazarus died is what he said. That seems really harsh. That you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. Jesus seemed very late. In that time, they thought that when you died, a spirit your spirit would hover over your body for three days. And if there was a chance that you'd be revived and, and healed, it would happen within those three days. It was four days past the point of miracle. Was he too late? They were hoping it would work out. Is it too late? Then Martha, verse 20, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary, the same girl who was sitting at Jesus' feet, what was she doing? She was sitting in the house. Verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, he would not have died. She was thinking, Jesus, I texted you and said, Lazarus is sick and he's at Bergen Mercy and I saw the dots, I knew you read it, but you did not come. What is the deal? You even posted on Twitter later, hey, going to Judea, they tried to throw rocks at me, hashtag y'all need Jesus. Why didn't you show up, Jesus? This is what she's thinking. But this is, uh, this is cool, the next part. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Have you ever had doubts before about God's timing or your decision that you felt like was God's plans? Have you ever had doubts before? Martha was going through this. She had these doubts, but on the other side, she had this little hope and he said, but I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And some of us have doubts. Uh, doubts, God, why did you have me move back to Omaha? Didn't you have uh, a bigger plan? God, why did you have me have five kids? Didn't you want me to be happy? Some of us have. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Some of us have doubts and, and we're like, God, why do you, why, how in the world am I supposed to live on $300 a month and feed my kids? 
These are real questions. Uh, some of us are thinking, how am I supposed to, to live in a one-bedroom apartment with four kids? How am I supposed to do that? This is the type of, of pain. This is the type of, of, of moments where you need hope. We need hope. Whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Is it possible, church, that God is more concerned with doing things in us and through us than for us? Is it possible that through your, your pain, through your situation, through your struggle, that God is trying to do something in you and through you for others? Rather than for you, all things work together for good. But what kind of good if my situation is still bad? What is God trying to do, church? Mary and Martha, you know what they were doing? They were expecting this healing. They were expecting that. But God, he was planning resurrection. He's doing something bigger. Do you see that, church? That's exciting. If we always get what we expect, church, we lose the opportunity for God to exceed our expectations. If we were to have every prayer answered, we would be God. We would tell God what to do. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, church. That pain and that struggle is, is gonna be used by God for a bigger plan. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, amen? Let's look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, here's some more hope, your brother will rise again. Verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, what did Mary do? Again, she fell down at his feet, submitting to him. You're in charge, Jesus. She said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, this is a powerful question, where have you laid him? Where, doesn't Jesus know everything? He's all wise. He's all knowing. His character is, he, is, he can't get any smarter. He can't get any less smarter. He knows. But he asked, where have you laid him? And as I was praying for this message, I feel like this is what God is saying. Church, where you personally, not somebody else next to you, where have you laid your hope? Where have you laid your relationship, your friendship, your love for the Lord? Is it five years ago in a moment that hasn't happened again? Is it 10 years ago? Is it 20 years ago? Where have you laid him? And God's asking you not where have you laid Lazarus, where have you laid Jesus in your life? Is he a top priority or is he an afterthought? Where have you laid your time that you used to spend on your knees in your closet praying for your family? Where have you laid that? That time you used to spend listening to the Bible while you were driving around delivering packages for Christmas or in your delivery truck going across the country? Where have you laid that time with the Lord? He wants you back. Where have you laid him? So they said to him, Lord, come see. Jesus, verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, because Jesus wept, see how he loved him. See how Jesus loved him. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much. And even though our souls are dead in a tomb, even though we've run from God, 
even though we've, we've done our own, uh, uh, made our own decisions that are against God's word, he loves you. You might be in a tomb somewhere, laid aside. No one may even know that. It might be a hidden tomb within your heart. You come to church and you dress up nice, but he's saying, I love you. Jesus wept. He loves us so much. In verse 37, there's some, some doubt. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Some of us even have doubts about God because we've seen it all. We've gone to church. We've heard a lot of messages. We've seen it all. And then it happens again. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, a smell, for he has been dead four days. Turn to your neighbor and say, you stinketh. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, you stinketh too. That's what the King James Version says. You know, as I was praying, for, uh, praying about what God was trying to do, I felt that God was saying some of the stench of our sin is so strong. Other people around us can notice it. But today I'm feeling that God is saying the stench of our sin is so strong, but some of us, church, we cover it up with perfume. You know what I'm saying? With good works. We dress up nice. We post good posts. But deep down, we know that there is a stench coming from our soul that stinks. And it's that sin that separates us from God. And you know it. You feel it. No one else knows it. But you know it because it's deep within, hidden within a tomb. And God is saying, I know it stinks, but I'm standing right here at the tomb waiting for you to say, come and see me and take this. Take care of this. God is saying something, church, today. It stinks and we cover it up, but God is saying, I don't care if you've been in the tomb for four days, five years, 10 years, 20 years. He wants to deal with it today. Amen. Yeah. So verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Hope gives your pain purpose, church. There's a, a, a friend of mine, a friend of ours named Jeff Babcock. And he passed away two years ago, 2018 in January. Uh, and he was a perfect, not perfect, but a great picture of God's love. And when he passed away, he left, uh, left behind, he went to heaven, left behind his wife, Dixie, and his, his uh, kids and his grandkids. We made a board in the, in the kids' hallway, and it has his picture, and it has our value and kids' ministry of ridiculous love, and he was a perfect picture to us of what it meant to love. And we meant to put a picture of uh, people on our team on the middle of it to honor them and to say thank you for loving like Jeff did. But we haven't put a picture up in a couple months. So people have been writing notes on there, honoring his life and remembering what Jeff was like. And I'm not going to cry in this part, but um, Dixie, his wife, um, I've seen her twice. She walks by that board, and she sits there and writes things on it. And uh, what she wrote this past month was this. She said, uh, Jeff, you are still making an impact even though you are gone. Your friend Bobby Town, he came back to the Lord. 
because of the way you lived your life. Dixie said, and she gave me permission to share this because she wants you to be encouraged, church. She said that her ability to impact the Macy Native American uh, people that she ministers to, her impact has increased dramatically. Because she has now experienced pain, the people that she's ministering to that experience pain and struggle every single day, they respect what she has to say. Because of the pain she went to, there is now more purpose to her ministry. Hope gives our pain purpose, church. There is something bigger God is trying to do. Zion, uh, Jeff's granddaughter, uh, was playing the piano, and, and uh, Dixie said that she would play the piano with Grandpa, and she had a hard time playing at first. It was painful. It, pain is real. It's not just something you say. It's, it's real. But Zion and, and their family, they appreciate relationships in their family. They, they see the value of life, and they, they see the value of eternity way much more because of this pain they've gone through. Hope gives our pain purpose, church. And I know you've probably gone through something that you're thinking of right now, and God is bringing something for good through that painful, stressful, uh, really uh, horrible situation. God is bringing something good out of it. Verse 41, as we conclude here today, um, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, this is powerful, loose him, let him go. Loose him, let him go. And I, some of us today, this is what God is saying to us today. Loose her, loose that family, loose him, let them go. Loose them drugs, loose them pornography, loose them suicide, Loose them self-harm, violence, domestic abuse. Loose them discouragement. Loose them uh, uh, depression. Loose them uh, feeling of not feeling enough. Loose them and let them go. That's what God is saying today, church. And he's saying, loose them and let him go. Some of our grave clothes look, all of our grave clothes look different. His grave clothes were wrapped and they were physical. Our grave clothes look different. Your grave clothes are different than mine. You may struggle with hypocrisy, pride. You may struggle with pornography. You may struggle with depression or feeling emotionally uh, stable. You may struggle with a lot of different things. We all have different grave clothes, but they all stink. And we all need to be loosed. We all need hope in Jesus Christ. We all need a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. He's standing there at the tomb, and he's saying, come out. And some of us stay in. He's saying, come out, and we stay in. But today, church, he's saying, come out. Loose them. Let them go. Come out. That's what he's saying today, church. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
If it's not good yet, church, it's not done yet. God works all things for good. I want to give us a chance to, to reflect and, and respond today to this, to this story and what God is sharing. So would you close your eyes with me and, and just reflect on what God is saying to you? This is a special moment where you, can, where you can begin to think about, God, what are you saying to me? And I have three questions to reflect on as you, as you close your eyes and, and pray. First question is, Lord, what are you trying to do inside me through this painful situation? What are you trying to do inside of me? What grave clothes are wrapped around me that you're trying to loose, Lord? The second question is, Lord, what are you trying to do through me in this struggle? Who needs this hope? Who, who is going to benefit from this terrible situation? I can bring hope to someone else through Jesus. What are you trying to do through me? Lord, am I sitting in my tomb with the door closed off to you? Even though you said, come forth, and I know I heard your voice, am I still sitting there? And am I going through this pain? Not because it's something that you're trying to do for good. It's because I'm running from your calling. I haven't chosen to follow your calling and your purpose, Lord, today. Have I placed my hope in the emptiness of something besides you, Lord? God, today I pray that you'd begin to speak to our, to our souls, Lord that invisible thing inside of us that no one else sees, Lord, that says, are we, are we hopeful? Are we downcast, Lord? Are we in relationship with you, God? Or are we ha have we been running away from you, Lord? Father, I, I pray today that you would begin to, to bring something good out of these painful situations that people are going through, through death, through sickness, God through brokenness, Lord, through broken relationships, through divorce, Lord. God, would you begin to bring about that good that you want to do? God, I pray that you'd begin to remind us of why we are ministering, why we are working, why we are living, and what you're trying to do through us. Keep reflecting, church. Keep reflecting, church. And Lord, would you, would you speak to us, God, if we're dead in that tomb? God, if we're sitting there in grave clothes and we stink God we know we stink other people know we stink if we're masking it God and other people think that we don't but we know we do deep down God would you help us to come out and be loose today Lord loose today God heal today set free today let's keep reflecting church and, and I want to uh let you know that if you have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says that if we repent, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ and believe in him, leave our old life for him, we will be saved. And if you've never started that relationship, if you have put it to the side, if you laid it to the side, today is a special moment for you to restart that. So with our eyes closed, reflecting, I, God, I pray that you begin to speak to us. Help us to know if that's us today. God, if we need a relationship with you. If you need a relationship with Jesus, can you slip up your hand so we can pray together? Thank you for the hand. The special moment. Just raise your hand. Thank you for that hand. 
if you raised your hand, it's a belief. Words can't even express it. But would you pray in your own words, say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Would you save me today? God, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of my sins, that I could follow you starting today, continuing tomorrow, and for the rest of my life, God. God, I pray for those raising their hands that you'd help them to be loosed. God, that you'd help them to be set free. Help people to gather around them and loose them, God. Help people, God, to help them grow. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate for what God has done in so many people's lives today? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing today. Thank you for hope. I hope this works out. And, you know, it worked out for us. We had the best vacation we've ever had in our lives. We got a refund for our cruise. It was the best ever. And, you know, all things don't work out in our lifetime. We may not see it, but God is working something out for good church. He's working something out for good. Amen. All right. I want to invite our altar workers, prayer workers to come forward. Um, you guys have about a good 10 minutes if you want to spend um, reflecting, praying, responding. Altar workers, come up, please. raise your hand to follow Jesus, would you come forward and allow us to, to pray with you and encourage you and help you today? Have a great Sunday, church. Thank you.